0: Welcome to the Faith Radio Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. For this series, we're reading through the first six chapters of Daniel, and our hope is that as we study the lives of Daniel and his friends, you will be encouraged to stand up for your faith while also exhibiting courage, wisdom, and respect. This week we are covering the first chapter of Daniel. Joining me this week also is University of Northwestern Bible Professor Anna Rask. Welcome Hi. Anna. Thank you. Glad to be here. So glad. Okay, so we it is time to finally dig <laughs> Dive in. in. Yes. I'm so excited. So what what do we need to know before we start reading Daniel 1?
1: Yeah, I want to set the stage for us. I want to give us the context about what has been going on in the world uh, when we open Daniel chapter one. And so give us a little dates, history, empires, people in power. So Mm -hmm. that's what I want to start with for us today great. Well, let's just do in. All right. All right. So when we open the book of Daniel, um, we see that the sky Nebuchadnezzar is coming against, against the people of Judah. Judah is the Southern nation of the Israelite people. They split in 931 BC after the reign of Solomon. And we had the Northern nation, and the Southern nation, the Northern nation fell in 721 to the Assyrians and uh, Judah was able to stay strong. But then Babylon comes on the scene. And that's where it gets risky. Um, and God had foretold that they would fall to the Babylonians. So it's like 200 years later. Yep. Yep. So they wow. they still hung on for a little while longer. And that's mainly because, I mean, God was gracious with them. Uh, mm-hmm. These are the Davidic kings. They had some good kings that still pursued uh, following after the Lord. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so Nebuchadnezzar is going to come against the people of Judah, and he, uh, in 605 BC, comes to Judah and compels the king of Judah, uh, we're going to get all these names here, but the king of Judah at that time is Jehoiakim, and he says, okay, you're going to become my vassal and you're going to pay me tribute. And so he makes them his vassals, but he also deports one group of people. And this is Daniel and his friends. And we'll talk about why Daniel and his friends were taken in just a second here. This is probably not a good idea. Jehoiakim rebels. (laughs) And in 598, he is put in chains and taken off to Babylon himself where he later dies. And, A guy with a similar name, Jehoiachin, takes the throne in Judah and he rules for three months there and he's going to rebel. And so a few years later, 597, Nebuchadnezzar responds to that rebellion with another deportation. And this is actually when the prophet Ezekiel is deported to Babylon. And so we hear Ezekiel uh, and his prophecies coming from that nation. And we see that Nebuchadnezzar invades Jerusalem, he lays siege to it, and he takes all the treasures from the palace and the temple, and he puts his puppet king on the throne, who is named Zedekiah, and they don't learn their lessons. Zedekiah rebels as well. And finally, Nebuchadnezzar comes back, and for about three years, uh, he puts a siege on the city, and it is, I mean, a time of hunger and thirst. Um cannibalism actually occurs it's a yeah it is not a good time um for the people of judah but it culminates in the destruction of the city the temple of god is destroyed and the last group of people from judah are deported so it's a it's it's a tragedy um wow. for for these people it's interesting
0: to think about how each of those kings stood up mm-hmm. and and rebelled against him because we'll mm-hmm. see i mean we'll see that moving forward in in daniel that that same
1: Kind of strength yeah, of they, conviction. Yeah, they don't want to be conquered, right. um, but there are consequences that <laughs> yeah. they see for for <laughs> rebelling against this uh, much more powerful ruler. But mm-hmm. that was and in I'm essence... Probably, I'm going to
0: say, I'm probably not the only one who's like envisioning VeggieTales. Yeah, right now.
1: exactly. And Nebuchadnezzar. I admit that I, <laughs> I, I do show one video in my class of <laughs> VeggieTales. And this, I think the students appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. But this was the Babylonian strategy. They would exile whole nations to other lands, um, in particular, the royals and the elites. And that's what Daniel and his friends were. They were nobles. And really, they wanted to remove the leadership from those conquered lands so that they could put the leaders they wanted in charge, like Zedekiah. Mm -hmm. And then they could build up their own nation and their own government with really intelligent, skilled individuals. And so they wanted to train these exiles to learn the ways of Babylon so that they could later serve the empire um, either in Babylon or their conquered territories. And this was a three-year training typically before they would enter royal service. And so that's who Daniel and his friends were. They were nobles and potentially may have been related to King Hezekiah.
0: Wow. And do we know how old they were when they were taken? They were
1: probably teenagers. We're going to see yeah, Daniel live all the way through the rest of the Babylonian Empire and into the Persian Empire. And he's probably in his 80s at that time. Um, And he might have even lived into his 90s. So he is like there his whole life. So not an easy situation. No, not at all. Yeah. 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 So we learn that, yeah, they might be related to Hezekiah. Um, Isaiah 39, verse 7 actually gives some interesting uh, information. Isaiah is talking to Hezekiah, and he's prophesying that some of his sons, meaning descendants, will be taken into exile. They'll become eunuchs, and they'll serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Mm-hmm. And so we're questioning, is that a reference to Daniel and his friends? so Interesting. It, yeah, they, they were taken not just because they're nobles, but also... Babylon was looking for, like, the right physical qualities. They apparently were handsome. They were young. They were quick learners. And they were going to be trained. They were going to be trained in the language and literature of the Babylonians. They were completely immersed in the culture of their enemies.
0: So then, so they're learning the language. They're mm-hmm. learning was there a religion
1: that was yeah yeah so for the language we learned that they were probably learning the Akkadian language that was the native language of the Babylonians so they had to learn a whole brand new language and then in terms of religion they were probably indoctrinated with the religion of Babylon which was very idolatrous they were polytheistic their main god though of the god of the city of Babylon was Marduk. There's a big temple that has been uncovered or they've discovered that the remains of like, this was the temple to Marduk. Um, Hmm. These Babylonians practiced divination. They believed in omens. Omens were the primary way that gods revealed their will or intentions. And divination was a learned practice that these people learned about foreshadowing events with certain signs. So this is where it gets weird, especially when I'm talking with my students. We're talking horoscopes, looking at the stars, eclipses, flight patterns of birds, casting lots. If an animal had a unusual birth defect um, or even the placement of animal organs and their livers all of these things were viewed as omens about the future about what the gods were doing and they it was a practice it was a study that they would uh, participate in and um, this would help them make decisions regarding politics military conquests and agriculture so uh, Daniel and his friends were being trained as these religious gurus and trend spotters political consultants and we hear about wise men uh but these are also I'm sorry i just have to backtrack. magicians yeah <laughs> so that's the training because we see
0: that um nebuchadnezzar is calling on his magicians yep. and mm-hmm. and so that's
1: yeah daniel's receiving part of this group. most likely all of this training he's regarded wow. as one of uh nebuchadnezzar's wise men and so then when there's a threat put out against the wise men in chapter 2 that includes daniel and his friends
0: interesting yeah.
1: I mean, I just thought it was like language and culture. I didn't realize it was almost like it's almost like a priest magic. Yeah, it's magic. It's divination. And that's a very real thing that other nations around Israel practiced. And yeah. And what we hear is that Daniel and his friends are at the top of their class. They're doing well. They're very quick to learn. We don't yet hear about their convictions about these matters, but we will soon. And um, we're going to see why Daniel's continued called upon time and time again to help out when some of these situations arise.
0: Wow. So then how do we see them? Kind of respond to this education.
1: Yeah, I uh, I guess the the last thing I'll mention is that I mean they're being totally indoctrinated. Their their lives are being changed. Um, we also hear about a name change for them too. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that is not something that I imagine they were super thrilled about because names were often connected to someone's deity and really integrally connected to their identity. And so to have your name changed is kind of a stripping of your identity. We hear Daniel referred to by Daniel a lot in this book, but um, he does get a Babylonian name. So in Hebrew, Daniel means God is my judge. And you can hear in the last two letters, El, that's God's name. Elohim in Hebrew is God. And so El is a shortened form of that. So God mm-hmm. is my judge, but he gets a new name, Belshazzar. Scholars kind of question exactly what it means but it's probably a reference to bel a god which was likely a reference to marduk bel means lord or master so okay. it's about may that god protect my life or hmm. make that god protect the king and so that's a whole nother god mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, uh well that they think is a god uh that daniel's name is now being identified with and potentially these men were also made eunuchs. That's what's referenced in Isaiah. Some of Hezekiah's descendants will be taken to Babylon and made eunuchs. And so in a sense of their gender identity, sexual identity being stripped as well. Mm -hmm. So these men were losing everything. Right. Until finally we do hear where they choose to make a stand. And it has to do with their diet they're provided certain food during this education process and the narrative tells us that Daniel chooses to not defile himself by eating this food that is provided by the king and this is a a debated topic of why Mm -hmm. he said
0: no to this because that seems a really interesting place
1: to take a stand when
0: you're being taught to be a magician yeah all sorts of other (laughs) of other
1: stuff uh and maybe he didn't see a way that he could take a stand mm. in those areas. We'll mm-hmm. see him react in situations where he gives God the glory in the future for divination related circumstances. So may, who knows why, right. but this is the area he chooses to take a stand in. He says, I'm not going to eat the meat or wine that's pr- provided to me. I would like me and my friends to just eat vegetables and water. And so some people are questioning, okay, well, why, why did he do that? Was it because he's trying to stay kosher, according to Jewish law? Mm-hmm. Well, Jewish law didn't say that you had to refuse wine. You could drink wine. So some scholars are like, well, that, that doesn't seem right. Some uh, other scholars suggest that maybe the food was first offered to idols and then brought to the king's mm-hmm. table. So they're maybe like, okay, well, Daniel didn't want to participate. Well, who's to say the vegetables weren't also offered right. to gods as well? Another option is to eat at the king's table might signal kind of an acceptance of this treaty or relationship that Mm -hmm. you have with the king. Maybe Daniel's refusing that, but he does so very privately, so it wasn't really making a stand. The view that I align with goes with uh, the textbook I wrote. It's connected with Tremper Longman's commentary. He is suggesting that everything about Daniel and his friends' lives is being fed by the Babylonian court. Their prosperity, their development, their success can be attributed to the Babylonians. But if they took a stand against the king uh, and just chose (laughs) vegetables and water, they were basically refusing the king to get the glory for their health and for their well-being. They okay. were taking a stand and saying, we're entrusting ourselves to God. King Nebuchadnezzar, you're not getting the glory for our health and well-being. And actually, they look healthier at the end of this 10-day process than the other individuals who are eating the meats and the wines. Mm-hmm. And they're giving God the glory for that. They've just been surviving on a vegetarian diet, yeah. basically. <laughs> and they they look better. They look healthier and mm-hmm. they give God the glory. And it's only a temporary thing. We hear about him eating meat later in life, but it seems like he's trying to just make a stand somewhere and say, God's getting the glory, not Nebuchadnezzar. I love that. Yeah. That's just such so much good information. (laughs) I know there's a lot. There's (laughs) so much beyond this book. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So let's kind of go to the questions for the study guide. So for those of you that are um, sitting at the table with us listening, um, there's a study guide that you can find at myfaithradio.com and we'll just touch on a few of the questions that are on that study guide. So the first one is, although Daniel 1 makes it seem as though Babylon is in control, what does verse 2 reveal about who is actually in control?
1: Yeah, you actually hear it said that God is the one giving the people of Judah over to Nebuchadnezzar. You'd think Nebuchadnezzar, the major world power, is the one doing this, but God's the one who's actually in control. And he is, we learn later in the book that this is all happening because they broke the covenant. They sinned against God and there are real consequences. And so it's not as though God has stepped aside and like, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, you take over. God is still in control and is working in all of these circumstances.
0: So it's more like a a time of correction and discipline. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a consequence. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the next question is, although Daniel and his friends underwent an intensive three-year re-education process... Oh, and what area did they stand against Babylon? We talked about that with the food. I I still think that's so interesting, though, Mm -hmm. that that's where they chose to take a stand. it
1: doesn't clarify why, but maybe... that's the only option they had. I mean, I can't pretend to suppose what life was like for them.
0: It, well, and maybe yeah. that felt accessible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, mm-hmm. like, I can't I can't stand up against in all of these, in their religious areas, mm-hmm. but maybe in the food that felt like, uh, maybe this is a time of them testing out. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stand for God, and then we see them take
1: yeah, bigger, grander they steps. Yeah, they do get bolder, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I don't think we've said that his friends, his friends that we've been referring to are...
1: Yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are their Babylonian names. Uh, Their other names, uh, Hebrew names, are Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. And you hear a lot of ah and els, and that's that reference to God and uh, the term Yahweh, his personal Mm -hmm. name. So Azariah, for example, means Yah or Yahweh is my help.
0: Mm -hmm. And we
1: know them by their Babylonian names, so... Abendigo means servant of Nabu, the god of art and literacy and wisdom. So, yeah. <laughs> or if you watch Veggie
0: Tales, you know them as Ratchet right, and, and Benny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, okay. So the next one is note the places in chapter one where Daniel exhibits courage, wisdom, and also respect. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I really appreciate is that he's taking a stand,
1: but doing it respectfully. Yeah. He's not putting up a like a huge public fuss necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, he does it very respectfully, uh, but he is also presented throughout this whole book as just this um, figure of wisdom. And uh, we we can't necessarily replicate all the behavior of Daniel, but we can have some takeaways for how we engage with our culture. And Daniel one shows us that it shows us that Daniel's not just smart intellectually he's wise. And those can be different things, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of biblical wisdom. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Daniel does just that. He fears God and he respectfully asks for the menu to be changed. (laughs) He was tactful. He knew who to talk to and he didn't make a fuss. He he asked respectfully.
0: Well, and what I appreciate about it too, is that I can't remember who it was that he talked to about it, but they were worried Mm -hmm. that they would get in trouble. And so Daniel worked with them to figure out something. Well, let's test it then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He comes up with the idea of the test and we see that God honors that. And it specifically says God gives the chief official sympathy towards Daniel. So God is is honoring uh, the stand that Daniel's taking. And um, I think that shows us Daniel is certainly in the world, but not of it. He is making a more of a quiet statement of boldness but we will see him probably grow in his boldness if he's just like coming out of his late teens and adding right. into his 20s he's just maturing as well into adulthood mm-hmm. that what is it the prefrontal cortex is yes. <laughs> yeah that's Almost out of my league developed. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: And then the last question is, can you think of any examples of how the culture in which you live is at odds with the Bible and the Christian message? How could you boldly stand up for your faith while also exhibiting courage, wisdom, and respect?
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, definitely a, a personal question I pose to the audience of, yeah. can you sit and think about it? And I and I ask that question, the same question to my students, and sometimes it goes back to high school like hey what what were you like in high school were there ways like if you're in a public school or a a setting amongst friends that you chose to to take a stand hey i'm not going to watch that i'm not going to participate in that Uh, i'm not going to go to that party something like that Mm -hmm. and i think that gets them to think about uh the pressure peer pressure and pressure to conform and that they're going to say this is not something God would want me to do. And I'm going to honor him in that. And I believe that God honors that right. <laughs> decision. Yeah. And
0: even when we're adults, mm-hmm. sometimes there are those tough decisions that we have to make to yeah. take a stand. And it, it
1: can it's
0: I think sometimes it can feel just as hard,
1: Yeah, <laughs> even as an adult. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, these men were in adulthood. And I mean, we're going to see Daniel in the lion's Then He was probably in his 80s. And that still would have been a really tough decision for him to stand up against the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, this has been wonderful.
1: <laughs> I am so glad
0: that you have joined us for this conversation. This is, we've gone through Daniel chapter one, and tomorrow we will be going through Daniel chapter two. I hope you'll join us.
1: The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. Special thanks to Professor Anna Rask. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com.